Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. Do you know the difference between a gaffer and a grip? Can you identify a household item that they call a C-47? What does a first AD do? And what is a best boy? These are some of the questions we'll be addressing today with my guest, Bob Spencer. Bob's been working as a set lighting technician in this area for many years and has garnered numerous TV shows, commercials, and movies to his credits. By the way, having been in the business myself, I know most of these definitions, but I thought they might be interesting for my listeners. Sifter Review of the Week Prey on Hulu. In an attempt to freshen the Predator franchise, this version is set 300 years ago in the Comanche Nation. A young woman, played by Amber Midthunder, is determined to be recognized as a good hunter, so she resolves to track down the mysterious monster. Even though some of the traits are different because it was earlier tech, the Predator still has enormous powers to quickly dispatch man and beast. The action scenes are staged adequately, and the action keeps moving. On the other hand, there's never anything original or unique about the writing or direction, other than the setting. While I'm sure the producers worked hard to assure culturally appropriate decisions, Mid-Thunder sounds L.A. and looks goth. Plus, the dialogue sometimes uses 21st century syntax, which takes viewers out of the period. Overall, it's adequately made, but won't do much to move the franchise forward. I gave it three out of five stars. So, Bob, welcome to Sifter. Do you remember, I know we've both been in the business in this town for a long time. I don't think I can remember. We've worked on one or two projects. Do you have any idea what they were? Gosh, there's certain aspects. It's a blur. Maybe in the early days, we might have done a commercial over there at uh, Cap One at the studio over there. Or uh, maybe possibly with Park Productions. Uh, yeah, obviously, I didn't make a real impression on you as a director. So. Well, <laughs> I, well, now, and of course, as you know, my website, TV Jerry, for the first 20 years was called Tales from the Grip. And you are, well, you'd be called a gaffer or a grip. What is a grip? Why don't you, we're going to talk vocabulary today. So what is a grip? The filming is, is based on, on departments and, right. and, and then we use a lot of acronyms. And so you have your DP, director of photography, also called cinematographer. Right. He's the general and underneath him, he has his department heads. There's the gaffer is the head of the electrics department. The key grip is head of the grip department. And he has the camera department. Those are his three departments under his personal control. And I've, most of my life, my professional life, I've worked in the uh, lighting electrics department. It used to be called electrics. In the, and there's also terminology differences between East Coast and West Coast. Huh. Out of L.A., they call it set lighting. And on the East Coast, they call it electrics department, actually. Electrics. Now, what happens if somebody comes from the West Coast to work on the East Coast? Do they still call it electrics? No, they usually call it what they're used to. And that's by us being locals here, we have to learn to speak both languages. Sure. Right, right. And, right. The, and they have different names for some of the gear, too. So you have to learn that, <laughs> you know. And, and if you've been in the business long enough in this market, you, you learn to be able to translate seamlessly. But anyway, in the electrics or set lighting department, you have on the West Coast, the head is called the chief lighting technician. On the East Coast, he's called the gaffer, which goes back to the days of gas lighting. And the gaff was a long pole that had a flame on the end that the lighting guy would, would light the gas lamps. Uh, uh -huh. Like you see in Mary Poppins, kind of. Yes, like a lamp lighter. And right. that was his job. And he was the guy with the gaff or the gaffer. Whether that's a legend or not, but it, I, I've heard it so many times that I believe it is true. 
underneath him, and he's called the, the CLT. That's what that's their abbreviation, Chief Lighting Technician. Now, underneath him, he has an Assistant Chief Lighting Technician, again, LA, and it's called a Best Boy. On uh, The number two guy is the Best Boy. He's in charge of the gear and the guys. And do we have any idea where that name came from? From arc lamps. When they used to use arc lamps, and they would have lamp operators, every lamp had an operator, and there were carbon arcs, and there was a guy sitting on a small stepladder, and he'd be looking in there in the sight glass, which is like welding glass, and he would be tweaking the lamp to make sure that it was pretty good, let him know when his carbon was about played out, and he had to change carbons and stuff. But there was one guy who was in charge of that, and he was—he didn't have a lamp, and he would run around and make sure that all the guys had their carbons were ready to go. He and he was—he was called the best boy, which is the number two position. Right, right. On the East Coast, there's a lot of times they're still called either electricians or lamp operators. The electrics runs all the power to the set. They do all the lighting and all the lighting fixtures, and then their brothers are the grips. And the grip department has a key grip who's the head of the grip department. He has a best boy who is in charge of the truck and the gear and the guys and everything. And then you have grips. The grip's responsibility is to support the camera. They have a dolly grip who pushes the camera platform on wheels. And in the UK, he's he's called a camera grip. And his team of the grips, would they set up the dolly track, but they also support lighting. The saying is, is the electricians, we give the light and the grips take it away. Right, um, right. As, as I had that explained to me, is anything that has to do with the electricity part of it, that's the gaff department. And anything that has to do with blocking the light, with putting up grams and flags and things like that to control the light, that's the grips. Yes, right, yes. Right. Speaking of gaffers and grips, surprise guest drop in. Oh, hey, Tom. How you doing, brother? Footnote. Tom Barrett is a colleague of Bob's who also works in the grip and electric departments. Hey, look at this. It's not even Friday and we're on Hawaiian shirt day. Hey, you know, well, you know me. I'm in them all the time. So what's that about every Friday on a set? Everybody would wear Hawaiian shirts or something? That that used to be a uh, a tradition. You know, there was also Dollar Day where they had a pool and they had a drawing at the end of that on Fridays, but that's gambling. But Tom, Tom and you and Bob, how many shows do y'all think you've worked together? TV shows, commercials, movies, whatever. How long have we known each other? For probably coming around 50 years, wow. 40 years. Yeah, I, he and I have worked together and supported each other and butted heads. <laughs> Argued against each other. Regale us about your adventures with Bob. We had a lot of common friends when... We were at VCU era to, together. And Tom, you were majoring in theater. Bob, you were at VCU majoring in? Uh, everything. Okay. Uh, <laughs> psych, mostly history. I took every history class that they had. But we did not know each other then, really. Right. And then in, God, what was it, 87, Bob, on Dirty Dancing? It, well, it was actually early 86, I believe, was the fall of 86, I think. Right. When the grip um, department disintegrated and they had to bring in fresh people and, and Tom shows up. I was one of them. And it was really one of my very first grip shows, especially out of town. And he was the only person I knew of the entire show. And I arrived the week we shot the finale. The whole, you know, baby in the corner and that whole huge dance sequence. From there, you know, we've done, I couldn't tell you how many together. Tom, what's something you remember that happened on a set or even off a set with Bob that uh, 
<laughs> one of my best memories is offset assault at West Point in 94. I think it was 93, 94. Footnote. Assault on West Point was made in 1994 with Samuel L. Jackson playing one of the first black cadets at the military academy. And we were shooting at Virginia Military, VMI, but we were staying on the campus of the girls' college in Buena Vista. And down on the first floor was a grand piano. And numerous times we would come back after a hard day's work. And of course, everybody would go up and clean up and all that kind of stuff. And you might be sitting up in your room and all of a sudden you'd hear this piano playing. And it was Bob, the professor, as we always called him back then. And he is, in my humble opinion, and tin ear, a concert level pianist. Wow. He would play from classics to jazz to rock and roll, boogie. And it was fantastic. Everybody would start filtering down and hanging out in this room, you know, having a few beers if we could drink then on campus. I wasn't sure if we could. The depth of his capability is amazing and knowledge, which is why we always called him the professor. He's a fantastic teacher, watching him help the young kids. Tom, do you remember any other specific stories about uh, encounters or a specific job where you worked with Bob and something was particularly outrageous or hilarious or... In the business, we have the set crew, set grip, set electric, and then the, the rigging crews that do a lot of advance work and have stuff so we can shoot faster. You know, we roll into the set and a lot of the stuff is already done. And Bob became rigging gaffer on several jobs. And one of my first key grip jobs was First Kid. Footnote. First Kid came out in 1996, featuring Sinbad as a Secret Service agent assigned to the president's son. And I think Bob was the rigging gaffer on that. Yes, my nickname was Mr. Seventh Day. I, I worked 32 days straight, including one of my early father's days. Because we were shooting like six days a week, and every Monday morning they opened up with some sort of huge a skating rink or a school. Or, and Sundays we would have to go in and get it all ready for them so they can just roll in and start shooting as quick as possible. As he just kind of inferred, he had some enormous rigs. And... They were always there and ready, but he always looked so frazzled and hectic. And I know he knew his stuff, so I would appreciate his work and would sometimes have to ask him, well, where does this control from? You know, we all hit the, the floor running and there's this knot of people. And Bob always looked disheveled, but knew where everything was and had everything ready. And it was a pleasure to do that, because I must say that is not always the case. You've got this moment of, of crossover, and then you got to break the uh, set guys into where uh, all the controls are for the lights and how this is and that, where the power runs and where the generator is. And you have to basically turn it over to them, and then it's theirs to do with whatever they want to. You're retired now, right, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he says hesitantly. In other words, if the right job came along, you might drag yourself out. I, I might drag myself out for one more, but no, I I'm, I'm, think it's over. Years ago, he relocated to Atlanta. Right. I remember that. In fact, everybody relocated after uh, John Adams. My entire crew relocated to Atlanta. Footnote. John Adams was an award-winning HBO series shot in 2008 about the second president. I would say Virginia who used to be called Yankees back in the day, coming down into Georgia, have now pretty much implanted themselves 
a, a former key grip from Virginia Beach, Ray Brown. He's head of the local union there, which now has more members than the New York local. Wow. And so we've gone from being, you know, outsiders to basically being part of the establishment and part of the culture down there. I never moved. My home was always here, but I had a business address there. And you had a wife here, Sharon Barrett, of course, who we all love, a wonderful makeup artist. Yes. My wife was here. So, you know, I'd go down there to work and come back in between jobs, which is not a recommended lifestyle, but (laughs) it's what worked. Frequent flyer miles and stuff. There you go. Tom, thank you so much for joining us and say hello to Sharon. I will. See you later, bud. See, uh, maybe see you at the meeting on Sunday. I'm going to try to get out to do that if if I'm allowed to. Uh, maybe I can sneak out. Is that a uh, meeting we're supposed to know about, or is that a secret meeting? No, it's uh, a monthly union meeting. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah, give my best to Sharon. Is she still working? No, she retired long before I did, a couple of years before. You lucky people, you. There you go. That's right. <laughs> we love it. My, right. my retirement plan, I think, is called death. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they always told me, too. Yeah. They'd find me up in my office. In the front of the truck, humped over time cards, <laughs> no longer writing. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much again. All right, brother. See you. I'll see you Sunday. So now I noticed you said you've got roots here. Were you born and raised in Richmond? was born in Arlington, actually. But I, I went to school here. I graduated Douglas Freeman. And then I, I went to VCU for quite a while and uh, was in the music department, the psych department, the history department. And uh, it was kind of the time where you just kind of classes of things that you were interested in. How did you get interested in the production business? All my friends were in the theater department and they often needed an accompanist to audition for musicals and stuff. And I was kind of the go-to guy for some of that. And then I moved to Key West and worked at a theater that was started by VCU people down there, Green Street Theater. Green Street, right. And they needed a piano player. And I learned basic lighting. Then they built a, a brand new state-of-the-art theater on uh, the community college down there. And first-generation computer board, uh, state-of-the-art lighting. So I kind of, I started out, I went from the making our own lights to like state-of-the-art cutting-edge technology. And eventually uh, a fellow down there moved up to New York and kept calling me, bugging me. He says, you got to come up here. This was in the 80s. And I was doing theater because I was, I was already trained on a, a computer board. When I was not busy, I used to work in this gaffer, a uh, guy named Mike Barrow, who had a lighting, his own lighting shop, his own truck, his own generator. And uh, he was down scouting uh, Dirty Dancing down in Virginia. And he just gotten out of a meeting with the director of photography who wanted to have the dance sequences. They wanted rock and roll lighting and he wanted state of the art stuff. He also wanted a computer board. Then he asked me, you know, can you handle it? So then I was the guy because he had no idea who to get to do all that theatrical rock and roll kind of lighting and i just happened to answer the phone so your first actual gig for an on-screen thing was for dirty dancing yes well it's just yeah. pretty cool first gig yeah and uh so that's what got yeah. you in the biz and then and that's when you moved back to virginia when my wife had had enough of new york and wanted to start a family we moved back to richmond and i happened to hit town when they were shooting crazy people footnote crazy people is a 1990 comedy starring dudley moore and daryl hannah and they were shooting down in Southside, Virginia somewhere. And so by the time that show was over, you know, people knew who I was and what I could do. And I became like the sixth guy. Footnote. The five guys who were the original professional gaffer grips in the area are Skelly Cummings, Charlie Harris, Jay Kemp, Tom Barrett, and Bob Spencer. So let's move back to our vocabulary lesson. One of the questions that somebody asked me, actually, and I wanted you to answer it, a showrunner versus a director versus a producer. 
Okay. Well, showrunners are TV series. Strictly on TV series, right. right. Now, there are a lot of producers. There's the executive producers that, that are out there, put together the deals, and they hire all the top creatives, and they get the book and the script, and they hire all the top names of it. And then there are associate producers that bring different things. Sometimes it could be an agent. It could be somebody that brings some money to the project. It can be a lot of different people. That's why there's so many at the beginning of the movie is that everybody that Everybody gets their name on the movie. Everybody for, gets their name for on doing the something. Front, yeah, right. The front end of the movie. And then there are the actual people that make it happen. And then you have what's called a line producer, who is the highest ranking person on location. And they have a monetary thing. They, they have to manage the budget, but they also have creative input. And they also are the only ones that can kind of try to rein the director in. Underneath him is the unit production manager, UPM, who manages the budget and the money and has to approve all expenditures down the line. And then, then what about the production coordinator? The production coordinator runs the office. They make sure that all the people move around. I mean, all the inbound, outbound people and, and equipment and supplies, and they make sure that everybody knows what's going on and everybody gets what they need, not what they want, but what they need, <laughs> and make sure that everybody is inbound and outbound and everybody's where they are and everybody's put up and they have an office staff, they have production, they have a, an assistant, they have a, a POC, they, they call it POC, but that's the production coordinator. They have production secretaries. They have people that answer the phones. They have production assistants, PAs, that run errands and make copies. The director, of course, has the vision. He's hired by the producers, and he, he has a vision about how to turn a script into a visual play. Now, let me ask you, because you hear this a lot, first AD, second AD. Obviously, there's some kind of assistant, but what is the difference between a first AD and a second AD, and what do they do? Okay, the AD, again, is an acronym for assistant director, and they're not usually on the director path. If they've been doing it for a while, they usually become production managers and or producers. But the first AD is in charge of the set. Their one goal is to make sure that the director makes his schedule, makes his day, as they call it. Right. And it's all about managing the clock, managing the time, while also coordinating all these different departments and all these moving parts. They're the ones that try to figure out the schedule and managing the clock. Usually when people see a movie about a movie or a TV show, the first AD is the one that's going, okay, quiet on the set, right. and that sort of thing, right? He's the one that kind of is the boss. Of course, the right. director is ultimately the boss, but the director only has to deal with, hopefully, the creative stuff and the first AD. Now, what about a second AD? Let me also add, the first AD is the ultimate charge of what goes on in the set and the safety of the set. And actually, it's been determined that they are legally responsible for things that happen on the set. So does that mean for Rust, that show out in uh, New Mexico, where Alex Baldwin accidentally shot the DP? Yeah, safety is their most important thing. Usually when we're doing something unusual or dangerous or whatever, and if they're using firearms, they check the firearm. If there's firearms on set, anyone in the, in the crew that's on the set can actually examine the firearm. Wow. Basically, they can throw the flag. If there's something that's going on that they don't agree with or don't like, they can throw the flag and shut it down. The second AD is their assistant. Basically, the, the key second AD, because we only have first and seconds in this country, we have additional seconds or second seconds. In the UK and Canada, they have third ADs. But And if you see it in the credits as a, a third assistant director, you know it's either UK or Canada. Canada right. And the, the, sec, the key second AD is for putting together the schedule for the next day. 
oftentimes there's a second second and they do the production report of, of what happened yesterday when everybody was in when they took lunch how much film they used they, they... now years ago back at you you probably don't remember this it was probably before you started it was a movie called the henderson monster which i think was the first tv made for tv movie in richmond and i did a day on an extra and there was somebody who was standing there telling because we were just background for people who don't know that's just the people who are in the background literally and there was somebody which i'm assuming was one of the ad saying okay when he says action you walk out this door you go here and then you stay Stand here and you talk correct that was an ad yes that's another job responsibility for second ad's or if there's a lot of background artists then they have a, a second ad to manage the back they tell them when to do their crosses right, they, right. It's, it's like babysitting you have to make sure they're all there they don't wander off and then you have to figure out what the camera's seeing and what they want to happen in the background. And they also, they also sometimes vehicles, they'll also cue the vehicles to do the crosses in the background. Speaking of seconds, second unit, and I've described that in one of my shows, but you want to give them a quick rundown of what a second unit is? You can have more than a second unit. Sometimes you can have That's third true. units. You can have a, a green screen unit that just goes into the studio and they, they shoot it in front of a green screen and they put digitally project images in the background. You can have a miniatures unit, but usually a second unit comes when they're not making their day. It can either be picking up stuff that, that got left behind. That they weren't. They ran out of time to shoot it. It can also be aerial. They don't want the whole company standing around when they're just shooting drone shots or aerial shots or something else like that. And if they just want beauty shots, they'll send a, a second unit maybe up to Washington, D.C. to just shoot the, the landmarks. Basically, as I described it, I think, in that show, is second unit is pretty much anything that doesn't have actors with lines in it to a great extent. Right. A full second unit has its own director. They do the action. They do the stunts. Uh, they do all the stuff that is not main. The principals usually stay with first unit. Bob Spencer has been working as a set lighting technician in this area for many years, having garnered numerous TV shows, commercials, and movies to his credit. His definitions were so informative and the production context were so interesting that we just kept going. Next show, we'll cover even more definitions. Coming soon. In theaters. Bodies, bodies, bodies. A party game during a hurricane turns deadly with Amanda Stenberg and Pete Davidson. Fall. Two friends climb 2,000 feet to the top of an abandoned radio tower and can't get down. Mac and Rita looks like a variation on Freaky Friday. In this one, Katie Asselton ends up in the body of Diane Keaton. Summering. Four girls struggle with the hard truths of growing up on a mysterious adventure. Emily the Criminal. Audrey Plaza plays the title role, who gets involved in a credit card scam that goes deep into the criminal underworld. Inu O, a Japanese animated revisionist rock opera about a 14th century superstar. TV and streaming. Five Days at Memorial on Apple. It looks at one hospital's experience during the Katrina disaster in New Orleans. I am Groot. On Disney, this collection of shorts features the baby version of the popular tree character from Guardians of the Galaxy. Locke and Key returns for a third and final season on Netflix. Also on Netflix is Day Shift. Jamie Foxx plays a pool cleaner who's also a vampire hunter. Also starring Dave Franco and Snoop Dogg. On the 12th, A League of Their Own on Amazon. This series, based on Penny Marshall's movie, follows a group of women in the 40s who set out to play baseball. 
13, the musical on Netflix. This is the Netflix version of the Broadway show that started the career of Ariana Grande and others. On the 14th, Tales of the Walking Dead is an anthology of standalone episodes that follow individual characters from the Walking Dead universe, including Terry Crews and Olivia Munn. Next week, Bob and I continue our vocabulary lesson with lots more fun stories. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.